0: Hello and welcome to A View from the Perch, a podcast covering important financial planning topics from the point of view of a college finance student, a proficient financial planner, and an experienced certified financial planner. Each week, we discuss a new topic aimed to educate listeners from the Parrot Wealth Management Team's research and experiences. Now, here are your hosts, Bill Parrot, Spencer Inglekay, and Ryan Arnold.
1: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of A View from the Purge. Uh How's your week going?
0: Yeah, it's a good week. Uh, well, today's making a good week because the market's up 600 <laughs> points. So I think we I think we have about another 100 points to go and then the week will turn positive. But uh, hopefully we can finish on a good update.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Uh, sounds good. You want to get right into it? Let's do it. All right, this week we're talking about income strategies, so different ways we can uh, get an income, whether we are retired or we're still working, just ways to increase our income. Um, So what is an income strategy? What are they used for? Can you tell me more about that?
0: Sure. Well, it's just, as it sounds, generating income... uh, (laughs) For living uh, or other purposes, living expenses or, or other um, items you need to cover. Uh, for us, it mostly is dividend payments, interest payments, and a few other strategies. Uh, but a lot of people probably generate income from uh, rental property or hobby income. And, and mostly it's uh, for retirees to supplement Social Security and a few other Uh, Maybe they have a pension, but for most people, it's generating income through dividends and interest, rental properties. Those are the the big three, the most popular ones.
1: Mm. Okay. Um, So you said a lot of different, either when you have money or when you're retired, different ways to get an income then. Um, So is it important for just retirees or are there ways that people that... They can use their dividends maybe uh, while they're still working or just different ways they can get income while they're still working.
2: Yeah, no, that, that's a good question. And as Bill kind of stated, I don't think any income is bad income, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you're looking at that, um, the big thing that I see it as is it's a kind of a... <sighs> gives you a little bit of a cushion when it comes to volatile markets. So if your portfolio is all really growth oriented and you're not paying having those dividend paying stocks, um, it can kind of hurt more. And especially in markets like this, where you're able to recoup some of those losses due to that passive income with those dividends. And then also with rental income um, and other strategies, being able to have more money and being able to stash it away and reinvest, that's only gonna help your ability to retire. That's only gonna help your quality of life because it's just more income. So mm. I think it's important to do it right away, but then also kind of the trade off is if you do have a lot of dividend paying stocks, normally those are stalwarts. They're so not really growing at a rapid pace. Right. So it's all about diversification. Um, however, I think having income strategies as young as you can is, is very beneficial.
1: Mm. Okay. Um, So with that being said for retirement, how do you know, I know we're a financial planning firm, but how could somebody be more confident going into retirement and knowing that they'll have enough income um, for when they're retired? How can they know if they need to increase it? Um, What are some strategies for people to use? The financial plan. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. What we do with the financial plan is we take a holistic view of, of all your finances and then we say, well, what are your goals in retirement? What are those income needs going to happen? We kind of project it, measure it, and then um, run it through scenarios and we say, okay, so how much income are you going to need? And that's how we develop portfolios. That's how we see, is it supplemented with a passive income strategy, such as a um, rental home or a pension? And then we construct the the path to success for that. So honestly, I think the number one way to be secure and confident in retirement and make sure you have enough is to do a financial plan. Um, I don't know the statistic off the top of my head, but like, retirees that did a financial plan versus didn't. Um, I imagine the ones that did financial plans were way more successful, uh, but I don't know the statistic off the top of my head.
0: Yeah. They, they have three times more assets than those that, that don't do a financial mm-hmm. plan. And if you've been listening to this for a while, our standard answer to almost every question is you need a financial plan.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, so, Let's say you want to start some kind of side hustle or something to get another income besides just the normal way people receive an income. What are some ways that people can do that?
0: Great question. A lot of people have hobbies and and they're able to turn their hobbies into income in retirement. <clears throat> we have a client who does a lot of woodworking and she did it as a hobby. Now she's retired and she's generating income by selling her, her products to mm-hmm. people. So if you have a hobby, whatever it is, you know, it could possibly be turned into income. Uh, part-time work in retirement. So, you know, maybe you work at a resort or a national park or Home Depot or, you know, maybe whatever if you have an interest somewhere. I know working is not retirement, but... It generates some income. And if you're going to start a business, the income is nice, but you also have to pay attention to the expenses because it's not Mm -hmm. cheap to start a business. So if you're spending more to start your business, then it's going to generate income. It's probably not a good idea to do in retirement. But for those of you who have, Hobbies. It's a good time. Uh, there's really no be- better time because there's so many outlets where you could use to sell your 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 products. You know, like an Etsy, Shopify, um, and a few others, many others that you could generate income. Uh, either even from a, your own website, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Especially for the younger audience, um, the ones that don't have kids yet, and you have kind of that excess time. When I had a lot more free time than I do now, and I don't even have kids, so I can't imagine, um, Uber driving, if you don't deal, if you, and even if you don't like dealing with people, you can do an Uber delivery. So you're literally just driving in your car, listening to a podcast, listen to some music, making 20 hours, uh, $20 an hour. So there's that. The one thing I would advise against that has been kind of uh, become not dominant in, in my age group, but something that people have been doing is is doing remote work, but doing full Two full time jobs. Um, it's kind of unethical. So that's the one thing that I probably wouldn't advise some people, but it's, it's, there's so, there's just a plethora of opportunities for side
1: hustles nowadays. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, speaking for the younger audience, um, I've done a lot of different side hustles, different ways to make money, because especially when you're a student and you got to find ways to make ends meet to just go out to eat with your friends, um, I've found that starting at online store is pretty easy. Um, Shopify makes it easy, you can uh, find something that you want to sell and you can upload it onto there really easily. And you can use Facebook and Instagram to market things. Um, and through Instagram and Facebook, they can buy things without even having to go to your store. Um, so it just makes it really easy if that's something that you're interested in something that uh, if you have anything worth selling, it's a good place to do it. Um, and they've made it really easy and not that expensive either. Um, so that's what I would recommend. Um, but once you go into retirement, are there ways that you should change your holdings so that you can better secure that income, um, so that it doesn't change due to the market?
2: Yeah, um, definitely you want to take a look at your portfolio and see, is the risk that you're taking matching what you need? Do you have an asset goal that you met? Therefore, you're able to take some risk off the table. I think the financial plan does that, but it's always good to sit down and really do an evaluation before you're about to retire of your holdings. Um, Yeah, and so you're able to change your allocations. But the big thing that we see is people get a little bit too conservative. Mm -hmm. Like as soon as they retire, um, a lot of people don't realize nowadays you have 30 35 years of retirement. So the last thing you want to do is, is kind of accumulate all this wealth, completely turn off, go completely cash or completely bond and then not have that growth for that 35 years and have your money run out on you. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a balance. Um, however, I think it's a necessary step in retirement is looking at your allocations and making sure you're, you're in it for the long haul because you still have 35 years for, for an income needed.
0: Right. Yeah, we, um, we talked to retirees about that a lot. You know, there's the markets are not good this year. So people are selling, they're panicking, and they're parking their money in treasuries because it's the safe thing to do today. But they're running the risk of not having money later on in life. And as Spencer said, you could be in retirement 30, 35 years. And if you are too conservative today... It's not going to keep pace with inflation. It's yeah. not going to grow and it won't generate income down the road. We had a client call a couple of days ago, Monday, and she went all treasuries and uh, cashed out her 401k, cashed out everything. And And I told her, you're going to run out of money, but but she didn't care. She was more concerned about preserving money today, not realizing that it causes a bigger risk tomorrow, and uh, they're not changing their their spending patterns. They're going on cruises, trips, and I told her it's just not going to last. So we want to pay attention to risk today and risk tomorrow. And again, the financial plan will answer that question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Um, so we already talked a little bit about dividends, but what about coupons and bonds? Um, how can we make money through different bonds, um, and what are some high-paying dividend stocks?
0: Yeah, right now, uh, one of the advantages, uh, the only advantage to rising interest rates, I think, is that we're able to find bond income uh, 3%, 4%, 5%. We haven't seen those rates in several years. So uh, savers, retirees, conservative investors can now generate some income. Uh, from bonds that, uh, well, we just haven't been able to buy the last few years. And um, one advantage to stocks falling, if you're new to investing today, is you can pick up stocks at lower prices and get higher yields. So uh, Verizon, Walgreens, they're paying over 5% dividends. Uh, J&J and Home Depot, 2.5%. Uh, Pfizer and Morgan Stanley are over 3%. So there's a lot of individual stocks now where you can get high twos, threes, fours, 5% in dividend income. And historically, dividends have accounted for about 40% of the total return in the market. So you're almost halfway there. Like if you buy Verizon or Walgreens, you're earning 5% dividend and the historical average for stocks has been 10%. Mm. So if they recover at all, you're, you're halfway to a great return. So uh, the rising rates, lower stock prices allow investors today to pick up some pretty good cash flow. Mm.
1: That's good. Um, okay. So what about annuities? Um We've talked a lot about annuities here, and I'm curious what happens if you just decide you want to cash completely out of your investment account and just throw it all into an annuity. Is that wise? Um, Should you keep your investment account and get a smaller annuity? What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think uh, you've asked a lot of questions on this podcast, but I think you've done a lot of research on this one, so you
1: should probably take the lead on it. Well, actually, (laughs) I was looking at this earlier today and... uh, (laughs) My biggest problem with annuities is inflation. Mm -hmm. And so you could put all your money into an annuity and as inflation rises, which it will, um, it'd be the same or similar as if you just took it all out in cash and decided you wanted to just take payments from your cash account, which um, personally I wouldn't want to do. I would want to keep it in an investment account and then just take withdrawals, just like a paycheck through that. Um, But some people, uh, I feel like they would have more comfort through an annuity because they can't um, just go in and take it all out at once if they get nervous or whatever their reason would be. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, But I personally wouldn't throw it all into an annuity just because of inflation. That would make me a little bit nervous. And I know there's some things you can do to pay a little bit extra to cover inflation. Mm -hmm. Um, But even that, I just... I. I trust the market and I would just leave it in an investment account or do systematic withdrawals.
2: Yeah, uh, I'd probably agree with that. Um, the only thing about an annuity is if you're very cognizant of the market, if, if you're skittish, not skittish is a good word, but if you're concerned and it's eating up some of your time and some of your mental health, it might just be good to take 85% of your portfolio, switch it to annuity and just kind of turn that income stream on. So, you don't have to pull up CNBC your whole life, and then being on your right. computer looking at your iPhone to see the stocks and things of that nature. Um, so that, that's that's a strategy that that helps. But like you said, there's there's fees that come with it. It's somewhat expensive, especially if you're getting the cost of living adjustment. And the other big thing about annuities is is there's not really an ability to give a legacy. Um, so what I mean by that is is once you're annuitized and you die that's done. Like you're not going to be able to give it to your grandchildren, your children or thing of that nature. And so once you have an investment account, if you don't spend all that money and it continues to generate wealth, you're then able to bless others mm-hmm. when you, um, when you uh, proceed on to the next life. So that's kind of the only real issues I think about annuities are somewhat expensive. We've talked about inflation, the riders are a little bit pricey and then just not being able to leave any legacy is, is, but, if you, if you hate the market, you know, it's not, it's not a bad, bad choice. Yep,
0: And skittish is the right word. too. Yeah, that's fair. Is the right word. Skittish. Yeah.
1: Um, okay. So we talked about annuities, dividends. What about options? What do you think about options? Uh, do you think that's a wise way for people to make a little bit of an income while they are still working when they're in retirement? Uh, what are your thoughts on options?
0: Oh, boy. All right. So, uh, (laughs) disclaimer, options are uh, very aggressive. They're risky. You could lose all your money. Um, And if you have never done options before, uh, make sure you're working with the firm that knows what they're doing because you can lose a lot of money very quickly. So, Mm -hmm. get that out there. But we are... On the other side of it, so we sell options. Uh, We do not buy options. Uh, So selling options, you're not speculating like you would if you were buying an option. So a strategy that we would recommend for retirees if they own individual stocks is covered call writing. Uh, Selling a call is a great way to generate income on stocks you already own. So for example, I looked at an Apple option this morning for October. So uh, the stock was trading at around 150 or so, and I looked at the October 160 option. So let's say you own a thousand shares of Apple. You could sell 10 contracts, that individual contracts going for $5.50. So if you sold 10 contracts, and you sold the October 160 option, you would pocket $5,500 to your account today, right now. That money would just show up in your account and it's yours. So if you did that three, four, five times a year, you know, you're looking at 15 to $20,000 in income from the options. Uh, however, there's some risks to that. Uh, as I mentioned, the strike price is 160. So if Apple goes to 165, 170, 180, 200, you don't participate in that upside and you have to sell the stock at 160. So you have entered an agreement that you're okay selling a stock at 160. Uh, we call it the woulda, coulda, shoulda scenario. So if You still owned Apple. Would you have sold it at 170? Could you have? Would you have? So when you do options, you have to be willing to accept the income, the sell price and the returns at the time that you do it. Uh, One strategy is, let's say, again, going back to Apple, you own a thousand shares of Apple. You don't have to do it for the entire amount. You could do 200 shares, 500 shares, any amount that you want. But option selling options, writing calls is a good way to generate income uh, in retirement on stocks that you already own.
1: Mm. I think that's a very good explanation of a way to make income off options. Um,
0: okay. And most people, when they hear options, they... They tune out. They shut down because they hear horror stories, and right. there's there's a lot of them. But uh, there's always two sides to the option, and you just for income, you want to make sure that you are selling and not buying.
1: Right, and they're confusing. I mean, there's puts, calls, buy, sell. Um, so butterflies,
0: condors, straddles, strangles. <laughs> it, uh, the language of options is uh, well, it's all Greek, right? Well. I think
1: that was a great explanation for an easy or easier than it could be to make an income <laughs> <laughs> off of options. Um so what about social security? A lot of people use that as a source of income. Do you think that's enough for most people in retirement? Uh, short
2: answer, no. It's it's and it wasn't designed that way. Um the really designed behavior for Social Security is to supplement about 40% of your spending. And with the average benefit being around 1500 per month, like that's a really, really strict budget. And so most people that rely completely on Social Security are pinching pennies to the uttermost. Um, and the, there's some other risks that comes with just doing Social Security, even with the cost of living adjustments that we see um, Social Security make. Since 2000, people have lost 30 percent of their buying power, even with that um, adjustment. And mm-hmm. so, you're having losing buying power to inflation. It's not supplementing your income to the most. And then also, if you retire early, um, and if you need that money, so say if you even not even 50, you're saying 62, right? You retire, you need that money. If you wait until 70, 67, before retirement age, your your um, benefits go up. Exponentially, it's about 8% per year from 62 to all the way to 70. Um, And so if you're having to retire early, you just completely wipe away that guaranteed um, increase of your revenue stream. And so we don't ever recommend relying completely on social security. And um, yeah, it's just, it's a very tight budget and it's difficult to do.
1: Right. Okay. That's good. Um, So we talk a lot about retirement, and some people consider downsizing retirement. Do you think that's a good idea? What do you think about downsizing?
2: Well, I mean, downsizing is a very open-ended term, right? If you're going from <laughs> a five-bedroom place in, in Manor, Texas, and then you go to a one-bedroom in the middle of Austin, downtown Austin, you're technically downsizing, right? But your expenses go up mm. extraordinarily. So it really depends on location. It depends on the tax you're gonna pay. Um, it, it just, if, you're, if your monthly expenses are going down due to this downsize, it's it's always a good strategy because as and especially in Texas, where we're at with property taxes, you really have to take into account for that and, and decreasing your home size will decrease your tax um, exponentially. So, you know, it, it just depends on your comfort level, depends on your plan. Um, is an effective strategy for sure because you're able to decrease your tax, but you gotta make sure you're not going into
1: a a million dollar home after you're only owning a half million dollar home. Right, no, that's good. Um, Okay, what about people that have a lot of assets? They go into retirement, they have tons of money. Um, What are some ways they can use their money for their advantage, what are the ways they can make their money work for them through uh, maybe real estate or just different things of that nature?
0: There, there are a lot of options. Uh, we mostly deal with traditional investment stocks and bonds and mutual funds that we've already talked about, dividends, interest payments, option premiums, annuities, things like that. But uh, for a lot of people, they could use their estate, you know, charities that will pay them a private annuity. Uh, they can do a charitable remainder trust to generate income. Uh, my grandfather did a lot of trust deed lending. So people that were buying homes, he'd loaned them the money. Uh, I would not recommend that in mass <laughs> because uh, he he ended up losing some money on that, those strategies. But the estate can be a source of income, uh, mostly through philanthropic or charitable type programs. And uh, there's a lot of... Uh, programs that will uh, give them, the clients, individuals, investors, income for life, um, and they're donating to uh, causes they support. So there's a lot of strategies around that. Um, And then again, with traditional investments, uh, obviously more money generates more income. Mm -hmm. But when you start venturing out from traditional investments like stocks and real estate, you kind of either you have to have a knowledge of that arena uh, or you've been in that niche before because it can get pretty complicated and again like my grandfather he just loaned money to people to help them which is good but there wasn't a lot of uh, recourse around those monies and it was an area that um, he wasn't an, an expert in so Again, uh, if you're going to venture out from traditional investments, just make sure, uh, A, you know what you're doing, or B, you hire somebody that does.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so we talked about it earlier, the financial plan. How can a company mm-hmm. like Parrot Wealth Management help people to be more confident, more comfortable in retirement? Um, how can we help them figure out their income? Um s- how, what is Parrot Milk Management's job there? How can we
0: help? Well, it's the financial plan that <laughs> uh, that really dictates all that we do. It determines the allocation. It determines the cash flow. It determines the income strategies. And it's amazing to see a client's reaction to a financial plan that works. Mm-hmm. It's it's eye opening. Um, it gives them comfort and peace, to be honest with you, that they're mm-hmm. like, OK, I could spend this money. Uh, I'm not going to run out. This is a good amount. Uh, so we've had a lot of people that have retired early because of it. Uh, but it gives people the permission, I think, too, to spend money. You know, a lot of people are reluctant to spend, especially in a down market. But the financial plan validates what they've done. And in a market that's down like this, it's help clients stay the course, stay invested or um, try different strategies. But the financial plan really dictates the income. We also have on our website at parrotwealth.com a report is how much is enough. It's an income report. It's a, I think it's a four-page PDF. And you could run the math yourself to see how much money you could spend. Um, and if you can't download it or can't find the site um we'll, we'll email it to people if you want to give us a call but uh the financial plan is the driver and i don't know if you want to add anything to that um yeah email. i would just
2: add that it's it's a partnership it's not really transactional because we well, if a client starts at 40 they're not gonna they're gonna be with us for 45 years right, right. and so that's what Another major strength of the financial—they'll
0: they'll be with you for forty years.
2: Yeah, be with me. <laughs> but uh, because it's fluid, so we have a lot of people in retirement say, "Actually, I have this goal that we want to add to it." We're able to run that scenario easily and quickly, and so they're able to always have that comfort because mm-hmm. it would it would be one thing if we made the plan forty years uh, forty years ago and then being like stuck in this. Um, it's set in stone and not have the ability and the flexibility to look at it and say, actually, I do want to buy a vacation home. Can I, we go through the financial plan, it's a go. And then we give them that confidence. So mm-hmm. I really think as Bill stated that that brings value, but also just the partnership that comes from being able to actually do life and understanding that mm-hmm. plans never go according to plan. And then that's fine. <laughs> and we'll, we'll change it and make, um, make our recommendations accordingly. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I would say that it's a living document. It's yeah. always changing. Um, we're working with a gentleman now who's going to retire later this year, and we've updated his plan numerous times. And he's now in a position where he feels confident and excited to yeah. to retire. And we just don't put the plans in the shelf. I mean, it's like Spencer said, it's a it's a partnership, and it's it's a living document, and it's, it's really helped out a lot of people.
1: Mm. Cool. Well, that's all my questions. And I think y'all more than answered them. Um, but I think this was a really informative. I learned a lot. Um, but thank y'all. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, thanks.
2: Thanks for joining us this week. Make sure to visit our website, parrotwealth.com, or you can learn more about everything we have to offer at Parrot Wealth Management. That's our view from the perch. See y'all next week.